You're listening to Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney from the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Welcome back. And it's a special delight to be able to say uh, welcome to Dr. David Clements, a man whom I have come to know and uh, just recently have had the chance to actually meet in person um, to pursue with him uh, topics of mutual interest. And one of them, it turns out, is the issue of so-called critical race theory. He has uh, studied it closely. He has been witnessing it about him at uh, New Mexico State University, where he is a professor of law. Um, by way of background, he has also got uh, some very impressive credentials as a f- former deputy district attorney in New Mexico and as a former candidate for the United States Senate from New Mexico, I've just learned. He is uh, an extraordinary resource. We're delighted to have him always. And uh, again, welcome to you, Dr. Clements. Good to have you back on Secure Freedom Radio. Thank you, Frank. It's a pleasure to be with you. Let's define, if we can, um, what is meant by the term critical race theory. I don't think that's particularly informative as to what is actually afoot here. Tell us what is. Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask proponents of it, they would say that you need to look at society through a lens that there is systemic racism everywhere, that our society was built on systemic racism, and that there is a level of unconscious bias that persons of privilege that are white possess that colors the world in which we live. Um, If you ask detractors, of which I am one of them, uh, you would see that this is really neo-Marxism. It's Marxism that's been repurposed. And instead of looking at a class warfare dynamic between the rich and the poor or the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, um, you've got a racial dynamic that that basically pits people of different colors, races against one another. And that's where you find your oppression narrative. And what was the purpose of class warfare in other sort of Marxist revolutionary moments? And how does that relate to the purpose of critical race theory in our own time? Well, historically, it was to create a a class struggle so you could overthrow uh, the existing form of government that we saw, whether it was in um, Russia or whether we're looking at a different form of Marxism, even in Nazi Germany. I mean, that was one of the reasons why Jewish people were demonized was uh, so. So we've seen it throughout history. So I think right now you've got a major consensus in academic circles that you've got this tyrannical patriarchy that's occupied by white males, and that in and of itself is a sin. And so this is the mechanism to um, basically overthrow that hierarchy. So it's creating division everywhere. And now you're seeing it uh, in university circles. It's been going on for quite some time, and it's expanded to corporate America, where you, you see it in HR trainings. Um, and also in, in federal government trainings. Um, just staying with the object, just to be perfectly blunt about it, you're saying that the object of this exercise, as part of a larger effort, to be clear, but nonetheless, the object of this exercise is to divide us for the purpose of essentially fundamentally transforming our country, taking down our constitutional republic and replacing it with something um, to which the Marxists aspire, which is essentially a totalitarian system of governance um, that would obviously be on 
recognizable in terms of the United States today uh, and, and highly detrimental to its people, needless to say. And you're saying, Dr. Clements, that this is well advanced now, this, this training, this pedagogy, this effort to inculcate in critical institutions of our country, notably academia, where you operate at the moment, but also uh, in corporate America and in the federal government. Um, give us some examples of, of w what this looks like in terms of those various uh, entities and, and the impact that it's having. Sure. Well, in the wake of George Floyd, there was a major shift and it appears that everyone was stepping on the gas pedal to, to rush through these doctrines everywhere. And uh, they, 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 were, they were existing on campus, but this gave them an emotional uh, foothold to really go the extra mile. So personally, at my university, they established an anti-racism, anti-discrimination task force. I volunteered to be a part of it because I suspected that it was going to be a Trojan horse of sorts that was going to package and promote critical race theory. And the way that it's weaponized is that you'll see innocuous terms that are redefined, co-opted, and inverted. So you'll see words like equity. And most people, when they hear the word equity, they say, well, who couldn't do for that? I mean, that's, that sounds like fairness, or they'll look at inclusivity or diversity. And what you come to find out is that these are specifically loaded terms that have very, very precise meanings to the critical race theorist. And so when we talk about equality or equity, we're talking about equality of outcome, uh, making sure that we look at certain quotas to ensure that people of different races get positions not based on competence, but by composition of their skin color or, or through immutable traits. And so this leads to a very, very slippery slope where you've got people that might be abundantly qualified, but they're going to be marginalized because of their skin color, because they're going to be deemed to be implicitly racist or a gatekeeper that's going to keep some minority from a position of power. And so that's how you see this play out. Same thing goes with inclusivity and diversity. What they mean is uh, usually you're looking at certain intersectional groups like gay, lesbian, transgender, queer, and these are elevated in the hierarchy. And folks that don't espouse a positive view of those lifestyle choices um, are going to be marginalized and put at a lower position in the hierarchy. And so it's not inclusive for people that are conservative. It's not inclusive for people that, that espouse Judeo-Christian values. Those are the folks that are deplatformed and basically said, you know, we have no place for you. And this is also at work by these same perversions of ideas that, that seem unimpeachable in principle, but are really now being put in the service of this revolutionary aspiration and dividing uh, corporate America uh, and it, its role in our country, I think, uh, into a, a totally different form than we've been accustomed to in the free market system historically. Um, and I, I want to come to the, the military too, but let me just ask you, uh, talk a little bit about uh, the woke capitalism phenomenon. And is this a byproduct of uh, the sort of racial warfare agenda? Well, yes, there's a lot of corporations that are, are, are trying to market wokeism. And in many respects, it's backfiring. Um, 
And you also have to see that there's just a level of hypocrisy for these major corporations that will espouse wokeism, especially when you go over to the Middle East. And so in America, they'll market and, and highlight Pride Month and all of these intersectional groups in a very, very um, savvy marketing strategy. But, you know, when you look at Mercedes-Benz and some of these other companies in the Middle East, there's no mention of that. And so you, you have to come to the conclusion that this is really about the bottom line. It's about money, not about people or values, or, or they would uh, be a little bit more courageous in places where um, there'd be a, a level of hostility. Uh, so there, there is the phrase of go woke, go broke. We're seeing people just getting sick and tired. There's been a great movement of parents finally showing up to their um, school board meetings, and they're fighting tooth and nail to get rid of these critical race theory uh, curriculums. And really, we have a lot uh, of things that is owed to the president who tried to issue an executive order, which he did back in, I think, October or September of last year, that threatened to remove federal funding um, from any employment trainings that lifted up critical race theory because it was just toxic. This, of course, was former President Donald Trump, not uh, the incumbent. Not the incumbent, but um, but that, that was something that was there. And that, that was in part due to the work of a Christopher Rufo, who's been sounding the alarm. He's an investigative journalist that's now undergoing a, a smear attack by the Washington Post because he has highlighted just how toxic this is. Case in point, Harvard has a professor, I believe by the name of Frank Dobbs, who's been studying this for 30 years. He is a, a complete enthusiast of this. And even he admits that there is no evidence that supports that these trainings that deal with unconscious bias do anything but divide. So you have HR surveys and things that they can evaluate. And they're finding that it's just turning workplaces toxic. So we know- Let, let, let me ask you about one particular workplace that has- profound implications for the security of the United States, and that is the U.S. military, to the extent that it is being subjected to this um, aggressively now under Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and uh, a so-called counter-extremism working group led by one of his minions, a fellow by the name of Bishop Garrison, um, the divisiveness and the alienation and the well, pitting of one community against another uh, would seem to be absolutely antithetical to the kind of good order and discipline that's vital to the military's readiness and, and combat effectiveness. Your thoughts quickly? Well, my thoughts would be this. I, I didn't serve, but I, I've talked to the folks that have served in the military. And, and when they talk about their occupation, it's they're a soldier, plain and simple. They, they're not a white soldier. They're not a black soldier. And and I'm sure that when you look at military operations, it is the epitome of, of something that requires competence, skill, and merit, because if you don't display those things, people can die. And, and unit cohesiveness, not least, and confidence that the guy in that foxhole with you is somebody who can trust and who will have your back and will be willing to fight as hard for you as you will for him. These are these are all absolutely axiomatic, I think it's fair to say. Um, Dr. Clements, we have to leave it at that for the moment. This has been a profoundly important conversation at a moment when our country is, as you say, I think beginning to recoil from um, what's going on here, but um, it remains to be seen whether it'll be sufficient under the day. Thank you for what you do at New Mexico State University. I hope you will keep coming back to us soon. It's good to talk with you, and I look forward to doing so in the very near future. Next up, we will speak with Joseph Humeyer about what is going on in Latin America, including the nation of Peru, that also demands our urgent attention right after this. <laughs> 